You're listening to CRST, the podcast from Bryn Mawr Communications. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of a special four-part series focusing on differentiating your cataract and refractive laser surgery practice. I'm Detlef Breyer from Breyer Augen Clinic in Premium Eyes in Düsseldorf, and I'll be your host for today. The first two episodes in this series focus on pearls for planning cataract and refractive surgery and delivering a great experience for patients during surgery. Today, we'll uncover how lenticule extraction can play a role in differentiating your practice and learn more about the advantages and limitations of the procedure. I'm excited to moderate this podcast and discuss our subject with experienced high-volume pioneering world-class surgeons. They are Maya Bohatsch from Svetlost Eye Clinic in Croatia, Bruce Rivers from NU Eye Laser Center in Maryland, and last but not least, Pavel Stodulka from Gemini Augen Laser in Czech Republic. So let's get started. Topic number one is a personal experience with lenticule extraction. So let's go around and have everyone share their level of experience with lenticule extraction. Uh, my first question is, how long have you been performing the procedure? So we start with ladies first, Maya, then Bruce, and then Pavel, please. Hello to everyone. I started back in 2013, first with Smile, and then we worked our way through to, uh, to SmartSite from the Schwind company. So for the last two years, we are basically working on the new laser platform. Then it's Bruce's turn. So I started Smile uh, in the U.S. military. Um, uh, I was one of the first surgeons in the military to do, do Smile when it first came to the U.S. Uh, back around 2017, 16. Uh, so I've been doing it for about five years. And Pavel? Working, uh, I've been doing Smile for about 10 years. I started a little later uh, than I should have because I was quite uh, commonly the first surgeon in the country or in the region with the new technologies. But uh, I thought, you know, this new uh, surgery smile is something really uh, nice and something which might, you know, take over. But all the technical people from all the laser companies I asked, they said, well, don't do it. It will never, ever gain the precision. Uh, you know, this technology is nowhere. It's, it's no way. Uh, so I started a little later and where we are today, it's, you know, I think the best technology and it takes over and it's very, very significant in laser refractive surgery. So I'm very happy to, to be a smile surgeon. And I also work not only on size platform, but we also use the SEMA uh, platform as well. So interesting what you said, Pavel. I also started 13 years ago. So one of the first five in the world, but uh, I remember the first sessions at ESCS or ESGRAS meetings and being there in the last room, in the last corner, and five or ten people uh, listening uh, to what we said. <laughs> and that really exploded. So uh, today, um, where does lenticle extraction fit into your refractive offerings, uh, Maya? Uh, it's considered like premium refractive surgery with the highest price and the highest patient demand. So. It brought us publicity because we are we were the first clinic to do lenticules in Croatia and in the region. And now we are one of the first in the world and first in the Europe that started with SmartSite. So it gives us some positive marketing, I would say. And we are getting quite a few of people for the last many years who are afraid of LASIK flap and don't want to bother with the pain after smart after surface ablation. So 
At this point of time, due to the studies for Schwind company, uh, Lenticule is around 20 to 25% of our market share with the uh, corneal refractive surgery. But I think when we stop recording everything, it's going to go up to 70 or 80%. I still think that LASIK and PRK have their place in refractive surgery. And there are some benefits of those two for some patients, but today majority of the patient can go for the lenticular extraction. And I think the major advantage is because they feel secure. Uh, that brings us to Bruce. He said he started SMILE uh, in the military. There are um, also, I think, very interesting uh, aspects to it. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, I'm kind of in a unique situation because um, in the military, refractive surgery is a really big thing. Um, but in the military, prior to SMILE, PRK was probably the predominant procedure that um, was done, mostly because a lot of people were worried about uh, LASIK flap issues. Even though uh, in my time in the military, I didn't see a lot of LASIK flap issues, but that was always the concern. Um, so my center, we were probably doing like 70% PRK, 30% LASIK. Uh, when SMILE came out, it totally changed the game for us because I think um, – You know, the way I've always looked at it with SMILE was that it's kind of like the best of both worlds. It's the, the healing of LASIK, but the stability of PRK because there's no flap. And so that, that really became popular in, um, in the military and specifically at our site. And so I, I retired from the military about a year and a half ago and decided to open my own practice. And so for me, it was just a natural progression to offer SMILE um, in my practice. Uh, but what's odd is that we're the only ones in the Washington, D.C. metro area offering SMILE. And so, you know, I went from an environment where, you know, people were kind of beating down the doors to get SMILE to uh, now I'm trying to educate people about SMILE because it's, uh, it's not as well known um, in the Washington, D.C. area right now. So, dear Pablo, uh, where does lenticular extraction fit into your uh, refracted offerings in Czechoslovakia? Well, it, it uh, grows, number one. Uh, number two, we uh, educate our patients about this keyhole surgery, like, you know, the abdominal keyhole surgeries, endoscopic surgeries, it's less invasive and safer. People understand that. And I would like to uh, point out two things. Uh, that number one, uh, nowadays we have more lasers from our companies and SMILE is a company name. So we probably should call this procedure lenticle extraction. Uh, because uh, that would be uh, covering all the platforms and uh, it's good for everyone, for the industry, for the patients and for the surgeons to have the same name. And I would even propose a name uh, LASIK, lentical extraction, because, well, it has a lot of advantages over LASIK, but at the same uh, time, I think it's not good to blame LASIK like a bad procedure. It creates, you know, a bad, uh, bad situation on the market. So, Uh, we say, well, we offer the surface ablations, which for certain patients are the best option. We offer LASIK, which is a great procedure. And we have this keyhole procedure, uh, lenticle extraction or SMILE, which has uh, several advantages also. And we pack it all together as great procedures. Yeah, I, I can really um, say everything all of you said uh, fits to our uh, premium eyes uh, refractive surgical center. Uh, it's part of our surgery, but it's now a big part. It became up to 70% 
but we're still doing LASIK like for presbyopia uh, correction or hyperopia correction. So it's still uh, LASIK is uh, very important also in our refractive surgery. And we price uh, everything the same. For example, uh, it doesn't mind if it's trans-PRK, if it's PRK, if it's LASIK, femtolasic or smile surgery. Um, we say the competence is in the hand of our surgeons and not in the procedure. So coming to the next point, uh, how do you educate patients on the procedure, Maya? Well, I think I have to congratulate size company this time because a lot of marketing the company itself did in the early beginning of Smile, actually. And unfortunately, some negative marketing for LASIK regarding LASIK flap, regarding ectasia, regarding complications came on the internet. So today we have millennials and I usually already get educated patients who are seeking the best clinic in the region and seeking the best procedure, which they think is mild. There are a few patients where I see a little bit of dry eye or I see a potential with a better visual quality or visual outcome if I do lenticule than LASIK or PRK. And then we talk about the safer surgery, about the surgery through the small small hole, like Dr. Stodulka said, like minimal invasive in comparison to LASIK where you have to cut or in comparison to PRK where you will have the wound after the surgery. But patients usually come with some kind of idea what types of the surgeries they can get. Bruce, what about you? So we um, we kind of present everything to patients, and um, you know, I talk about the, the value of all the procedures. Um, I often use myself as an example. So I had PRK 17 years ago. My wife had LASIK. And so I talk about all of the procedures in, in a positive light uh, because you never know where our patient's going to end up. And so I, I always want to make sure that um, they, they know that they're going to get great vision regardless of what procedure they choose. Um, I will say that for us, our, our predominant procedure is SMILE. Uh, we seem to have two groups. We have a large number of patients that maybe their family members are from um, Asia or Europe, and, and they've been told about SMILE. So they come specifically looking for it um, to us. And then there's the, the folks that, that come to us that don't know about SMILE. And because in my, my talk about refractive surgery, you know, I talk about SMILE, PRK, LASIK, ICLs, um, they, they're, they're actually wowed when I show them like the differences in the procedures and the pros and cons. So um, it, it really has become, like a, I think, a fun thing to kind of talk to patients because there's so much misinformation. And I think when they come in and they hear like not only how many procedures are available, but just the differences in these procedures, I think it really helps them um, you know, feel comfortable when they choose SMILE. Pavel, what is your strategy? just would like to add a few things because I think you covered very well the topics. To make it very simple for the patients, uh, we say that predominantly we prefer uh, LASIK or PRK for small myopia up to 4.5, then 4.5 to 8.9, it's typically uh, lentical extraction smile, and over, uh, over that it's typically uh, picky glands. So maybe that's something very simple to add to our patients. I remember all the beginning times uh, people came in for a LASIK and I offered them SMILE as the safest procedure and they looked at me like, oh, uh, who who am I? And I said, you're patient number 10 <laughs> and number 11 and number 12. So in those times, it was really hard uh, to convince people uh, and other doctors. But today, um, 
due to the internet, people and patients come in very well informed and they really have an idea uh, what they want. Uh, and uh, that's uh, what the status quo is today. So let's move to topic two, uh, clinical advantages and limitations. Uh, what are the advantages of lenticular extraction? Uh, let's talk first about uh, the biomechanical advantages, Maya. Well, literature told us that there is no biomechanical advantage uh, with the lenticule in comparison to LASIK. And I have to admit that I have one late ectasia uh, in SMILE. It happened seven years after the primary procedure, probably due to the eye rubbing because it's unilateral. And it was on a good cornea with a great preoptopography. And it, the patient was only minus four before the surgery. But he reported a few months before we noticed ectasia that he had uh, some kind of a conjunctivitis that lasted for quite a few weeks and that he was rubbing his eye heavily. So I don't think that we have a biomechanical advantage. I think we have a psychological advantage over our patients and a little bit advantage in the feeling of dry eye, because frankly, when you compare PRK, LASIK, and lenticule, all the patients have dry eye after the surgery. It's just the question how severe the dry eye is. And the patients after lenticules are recovering a little bit easier, and they um, don't have that gritty feeling for a long time in comparison to LASIK. And of course, they can touch their eyes. I wouldn't say rub their eyes but they don't have flap, they don't have epithelial healing, and they can live more normally two days after the surgery in comparison to any other corneal refractive procedure. Okay, Maya, so you already covered all three subjects, so why not continue with Bruce, also talking about biomechanical bio advantages, dry eye disease, and uh, no flap complications? Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I do feel that there is some... Uh, advantages to kind of maintaining the anterior stroma. Um, you know, I, I don't think that you should throw caution to the window. I think that um, a lot of people maybe think that because you're quote unquote preserving the anterior stroma, that you can kind of do cases that you would otherwise maybe default to surface ablation. And so, uh, you know, coming from the military where we tend to have a more conservative approach, I my threshold for pushing someone into the direction of, of surface ablation is, is kind of the same. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily feel that uh, I can do someone, I can do smile on someone that I would have rejected for uh, LASIK. Um, so to me, if they're not a good LASIK candidate, they're typically, in my mind, not a good uh, smile candidate. Um, from a dry eye perspective, I agree with Maya. I think that uh, postoperatively, I, I think that all patients end up using some drops for um, lubrication. Uh, but I do feel that uh, folks that are maybe mild to moderate dry eye, I do try to push them towards smile, um, just because I do think there are some advantages there. Um, in terms of the, the, the no flap, I mean, that's a huge selling point um, for, for anybody, especially someone who's really active. I think where it really hits home, though, is for co-management. I think that uh, any of the optoms that co-manage with me, I think they like the fact that there's less concern of a flap issue and maybe um, the concern for having to send the patient back to me to uh, refloat the flap if there's an issue. So I think that's been like a great advantage as well. 
So, Pavel, would you please be so kind and cover those three uh, subjects as well? You all started with biomechanics, and there is a puzzling information out there in the literature and on the internet. Uh, I still think that we cut less uh, with uh, lenticle extraction compared to LASIK, so I think we preserve more stable cornea. And to compare LASIK and SMILE, I think we would need to compare uh, two different optical zones, because if you uh, cut uh, out the lenticle 6.5, then the optical zone is significantly larger. So we can, I think, take much smaller lenticle and then compare with LASIK. And uh, then I, I'm really convinced that uh, biomechanics are in favor of uh, SMILE, and I typically do my smile with 160 micron uh, cap because I try to preserve as much as possible from the anterior stroma. And I also like to combine both LASIK or smile with cross-linking. We, we do the specific cross-linking with limited energy. And I am really convinced that this also adds to the stability of the coronary postdoc. So that's regarding the biomechanical uh, features. A dry eye, I think Maya said it perfectly that all cornea refractive surgeries, and I would say, well, all uh, eye surgeries can induce dry eye and make it worse. So that's totally true. But there are also some differences. And I think uh, PRK has little less dry eye compared to LASIK and SMILE has a uh, little less uh, also. Uh, so we need to manage uh, dry eye uh, comprehensively because I think that's the uh, main drawback of uh, laser vision corrections, that people get dry eye and then despite of 2020 vision, we are very unhappy. So dry eye is our enemy. And I would like to emphasize that uh, by far our best tool against dry eye is acupuncture. We have developed our own method. Actually, my wife, who is acupuncturist, developed that and it's really effective. So dry eye, uh, we need to somehow take care of. And uh, the flap complications uh, are quite rare, and usually they are uh, really easily uh, manageable. Uh, but with uh, SMILE, we have no flap complications. Uh, of course, there might be arguments that you can have uh, lenticle-related complications, but these are extremely rare. And we, surprisingly, I was at the beginning, you know, afraid that how often I tear the lenticle, I have to fish the part of the lenticle inside of that pocket, it does not really happen. So it's a very, very safe procedure uh, with very uh, low, low rate of complications. Yes. Uh, so with biomechanics, I would say there are a lot of scientific, theoretical, significant articles that say that SMILE uh, should be better. I stick a little bit to it as I do most of my cases at 150 micrometer so the cap is 150 micrometers because the upper part of the cornea is the most stable part. Um, then talking about if you go to the edge at 250 micrometers, residual stroma thickness, I usually prefer um, to use a small extra protocol from uh, Sri Ganesh. I think that's a very good idea. So, Pavel, I, I really think that's a good idea. I, I use it as well. Uh, I'm very positive to cross-linking, as I started with uh, Theo Seiler many, many years ago. Um, and that's why I really do like cross-linking and convinced of the concept. Dry eye disease, I'm a little bit surprised. Um, it's, if you look at the literature, it says all the nerves, they grow together again uh, in SMILE after one month, and LASIK takes three to six months. 
So I always give uh, artificial drops two weeks before surgery and dry eye in my clinic, I don't know if it's there for or if it's the climate or whatever, is not really a big issue. Uh, not in smile at all. And in LASIK, I think there's much in the internet about the dry eye. I don't really feel it, but I give a very extensive um, uh, artificial eardrop therapy before and uh, after surgery. Coming to uh, flap complications, I didn't have any for three years. Then before I came here, uh, I had uh, three in two weeks. And I was really surprised. I said, well, what's going on here? I didn't change anything. And I had flap complications the first day with flap folds. Uh, one was really with uh, the eye drops and it really removed. And uh, in the upper part, there stayed a little bit uh, of flap folds, um, but not in the, in the optical axis. So I'm very happy we do have smile. And um, I tell my patients when I, I market smile, I say uh, the good thing about uh, smile in comparison to LASIK is that uh, you sleep well, but I sleep well as well because I can sleep well because I know you can't rub your eyes. You don't cannot hurt your cornea. Uh, um, that's why I really love smile. Uh, but I also uh, think that uh, Pavel is right. Um, that you always have to counter uh, argue with uh, lenticule removal and complication during lenticule removal. And even we do have now the since February the new Smile Pro, uh, which is really a step ahead again. Nevertheless, uh, some lenticules are a little bit more uh, difficult uh, to remove. That will stay a little bit uh, on the negative side uh, of Smile surgery that some surgeons uh, really uh, might have problems with it if they are not uh, advanced surgeons. So not, not anybody of us uh, doing 30, 40, 50 thousand more cases. But when you start, then of course, LASIK is much easier or PRK than uh, SMILE. So the last point is, of course, uh, what about the outcomes uh, if you compare LASIK and PRK and SMILE? Maya, what is your what are your data or your emotions about it? Uh, well, uh, if we talk about emotions, I would say that the lenticular patients are doing the best because they are the most satisfied patients in the clinic. But if we go to see the data, then it, of course, depends on the platform. Did we use uh, uh, Zeiss or we used Schwind platform? Of course, there is a time gap in between those platforms, so I don't think I don't know how comparable they are now because the technology moved forward. But I would say that LASIK is regarding the high order aberrations to some extent um, is still the best, and then very near LASIK comes lenticule. And with the little worse results with the PRK or surface ablations. But of course, we have to think about the diopter range of the patient. It's not the same if we treat just myopia, then all three are performing the same almost, or we are treating astigmatism, or we are talking about hyperopia, which we still don't have an option with the lenticule. So it depends on the diopter, depends on the platform, depends on the patients. But I would say all three are very near perfect, if perfect exists. So Bruce, as I know, the military is really very precise in data communication and, and documentation. Uh, what is your, what is your um, 
expectation or your experience in outcomes? Yeah, so, you know, my experience has been that the smile has been great. I always joke about, um, you know, maybe I was extremely lucky, but I've, this is the third Visumax I've had, and every one of them, uh, our results have always been great. Uh, in fact, we've published in um, the JCRS uh, journal uh, two articles, one kind of comparing my first year results with uh, SMILE, comparing it to LASIK and PRK, um, and that was when we didn't have the ability to correct for stigmatism. And so, you know, we, we made sure we compared, um, you know, apples to apples with the other two procedures, and the results were equivalent. Um, you know, our LASIK results have always been great, and our small results were right up there with LASIK. Um, and then we actually um, published another article where we looked at military performance uh, before and after SMILE. So we sent soldiers to the firing range, we had them do different tasks before SMILE, and then we uh, did SMILE and had them redo those tasks, and they all performed excellent. Um, so, so for me, you know, it's, it's always been, um, the results have always been great. Um, I do think there's a learning curve, and so I, I can see why, you know, in some uh, places people might shy from it. Um, but for me, um, it's, it's always been, the results have been great. Uh, kind of, I know Pablo talked earlier about um, the lower, uh, treating like the lower uh, prescriptions, but I, I, have, I have no problem going down to a minus one. Um, you know, unfortunately in the U.S., we don't have uh, all the bells and whistles that you guys have. So we're kind of restricted in kind of what we can do. But um, I, I regularly go down to minus one with smile. So, um, yeah, I think my results have been great. So, Pavel, what are your experiences? Continue what Bruce have said. Yeah, we also uh, perform low myopia uh, correction with smile, and it works very reliably. Yeah, it is definitely possible. Um, if we compare the three methods, originally uh, some problem with uh, smile was a lower recovery. It took longer time before they really see well. But uh, recently, with all the advances in in laser settings, uh, the speed of recovery rivals LASIK. The first day, they all see very well, very nice. Uh, but having said that, we were surprised. We did some uh, subjective uh, questionnaire uh, questions about the uh, recovery to our patients. And surprisingly, our PRK patients were the most uh, highly satisfied. And we find out why, because we really frightened them. We said that, well, a lot of pain, very long time for recovery, you know, be aware of that. And then they were kind of positively surprised. But with LASIK and SMILE, they expect everything all perfect that they want, which is not always there. So that was a big surprise to us. Uh, but definitely LASIK and SMILE patients recover faster than PRK, even uh, with the latest smart surface, you know, innovations. And there is one group which I would like to mention, uh, which was really also great, and that's a, a group of hyperopic smiles. I had the fortune to uh, be part of that uh, group, uh, which uh, did the clinical study for size with hyperopic patients. I actually did the most of the cases in the world, and these are great. And they're really, the smile provides delivers better results compared to LASIK, at least in my experience. Yeah, that goes very well with my experiences. I remember 13 years ago, I even had a physicist employed doing all the nomograms. Uh, the good thing now, having the new Visamax 800 in the visualized nomogram, that will be a, a great tool and help for beginners 
to be better and improve in uh, smart surgery. And the good thing is that now first day post-op, most of the patients have a 2020 vision. So at the beginning, this was not the case. It took through two, three, four days. Uh, but nowadays, especially with the Visamax 800 and the Smart Pro, it's an, an really ex excellent uh, recovery rate uh, because the laser is so fast, uh, you don't even get uh, opaque bubble layers. It's, it's really fascinating. Good. So we go to topic three, case studies. What patients typically do best with a lenticule extraction, Maya? Depends on the laser platform and, I guess, time when they were treated. During the Visumax time, I would say the best patients had myopia around minus five, minus six. Uh, that was the best post-operative results. But now when we use a different platform, the best results are actually in low myopia. So if we, you treat minus two or minus two and a half or minus one and a half, tomorrow morning they are better than our LASIK patients with the same refraction. Um, and that's like wow results because a few weeks ago we had a husband and wife and wife had a lenticule and the husband had LASIK. And husband was 2020 and he was very happy. But the lady was 2015 and he was like jealous because we told the lady that since it's a low myopia, it maybe will take her two or three days to get the perfect vision. And they came in together and she was reading one line more than him. And he was like, okay. <laughs> so with, with advancement in technology, I would say that... Uh, uh, now we have a wide spectrum of diopter that we can treat and probably 80 or 90% of the patients are seeing 2020 tomorrow morning. So now some levels of astigmatism are also not a problem. And with new platform, actually some higher astigmatism could be treated. But I guess I'm a lady. I still didn't try to go that high because of the previous experiences. So I'm not as brave as some of my male colleagues, I would say. So Bruce, what is your opinion? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Maya. I, I, we've had, um, I think the sweet spot, the patients that are just, everybody's happy, but the folks that seem to be really kind of blown out of the water, the folks that are, you know, like a minus three to, and, and higher, those folks are just, you know, they're just wowed by how comfortable things are, their vision's great. Um, Kind of like my, I had a husband and wife. Um, the, the husband brought the um, was the kind of escort for the wife and was not interested in surgery at all. And he watched her get um, smile. And he had watched his sister get LASIK years before. And when he saw a smile, he was like, "Oh wow, I, I want to get this next week." And so we did his case next week. And he was 2010, and his wife was like, "You know, what what did you do different? Like, why is his vision so much better than mine?" Um, but she was 2015, so it's 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 funny. But he did great, and uh, I think he was like a minus six, and she was like a minus three, uh, three and a half. And so um, that's I think that's like the sweet spot for us. Well, I think we would be also interested. I heard you lastly did a presbyopia correction with smile, and you already did hyperopia. Though I think you can add some value to the discussion here. Well, it's early. Um experience and size uh, is working hard on uh, on these projects and I think we will have the expansion of indications in the future but at the moment uh, definitely you know the people who are minus eight 
these are the most you know excited uh, patients after that because if you correct someone who is minus one or two okay they are glad and you know they don't need glasses for driving or, or football or whatever for tennis but people with minus eight you know they had their psychological problems they had their you know uh, cosmetic limitations they had their professional limitations and now the day after surgery they come in no glasses seeing almost perfect these are you know thrilling stories and i think we refractive surgeons are kind of spoiled guys we got used to it but you know i think we should enjoy each of such patient and you know share the joy and happiness because it's great uh, that's a very good aspect of everyday life because when you're a refractive surgeon you are also criticized very often if the result is not perfect <laughs> and it costs you a lot of chair time but uh, we we quickly forget that 95 of the person the percentage of patients we do with smile uh, would like to embrace us and are happy and are out of their mind uh, absolutely so uh, you're absolutely right Pavel. we think about sometimes we lose the idea how wonderful our job is uh, because we always concentrate on the not perfectly done five percent um okay so after that little bit uh, philosophical way out uh, we go back to topic four um the pointers to differentiate your practice uh, so patient satisfaction word of mouth referrals after lenticular extraction of course are very outcome how How important are the post-op outcomes in comparison to patient comfort and the visual recovery in comparison to LASIK and PRK, Maya? Well, I think that's the most important because if you have happy patients, he will send you maybe 10 more patients for treatment. But if you have unhappy patients, then he will tell that to 100 other persons that you didn't do something well. So having a good postoperative results is like conditio sine qua non. You have to have it or you have to have it in 95 or 97% of the patients. But also the experience about the surgery is also very important. The story behind the surgery. So if you give your patients a story that they are going to have the best surgery at this point of time in the world, I would say, or the newest one or the safest one, depending how you talk and how you make your market. And they will pay some money for it. And the next laser is like 500 kilometers away. Then their uh, uh, need to tell that to their friends and family is higher than if you have LASIK or PRK nowadays, because... At least in Europe, the price of LASIK and PRK uh, is much less today than it was in 2008 or 2010 when you had to spend a lot of money to do the surgery and you wanted to tell your friends and your family that you did something for yourself. Now, having LASIK or having PRK, it's like normal. So they had something new. They were able to get it in their own country. The doctors were very nice to them. The surgery didn't uh, uh, didn't have they didn't have any pain during the surgery. The postoperative recovery was painless. They could see very well tomorrow morning or two days after. That's very important for the word of mouth. So they will go happy and they will tell other people how happy they are and how their their life changed. So. Um, we cannot live without internet marketing and, and and social media anymore. 
but word, word of mouth is still probably the most important because if you have 100 unhappy patients, probably the, my whole country of 4 million would know something like that. So that's a disadvantage uh, if you're a small country. <laughs> but nevertheless, being a small country, uh, I always wonder how many excellent uh, sportsmen you're having in Croatia. It's amazing. Skiing, football, basketball, whatever. Four millions. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. Uh, you must be very good at it. You are very good at it. So, um, Bruce, what is your main feeling um, if you talk about uh, lenticule extraction uh, that brings patients again uh, to your practice? So I think that uh, yeah, I feel that it's a differentiator. Um, but of course, it's easy for me to say that because we're the only ones offering SMILE right now in the Washington, D.C. area. But um, we have a lot of people that come to us. Um, I've had folks come as far as three or four hours away uh, to get SMILE. Um, I think the problem that we are having in this area is um, trying to connect, and it's kind of what Pablo said earlier, trying to connect um, smile with uh, something that people recognize. And so, you know, we've, we've, we kind of try to use Zeiss Smile interchangeably with um, flapless LASIK or, you know, smile LASIK or something that kind of ties it together so that patients um, who are not hearing about smile from their families in other countries um, kind of have some kind of framework to put it in. Um, but I, I definitely feel that as time goes on and it starts to become more popular in this area and there starts to be more word of mouth, that it's really going to take off um, in this area. It's going to be a huge differentiator. Well, I think definitely word of mouth is uh, the most important and we really need it because as uh, Maya said, one, you know, good patient, 10 new patients, one wrong patient, at least 100 away. So that's really very important. And uh, unfortunately, I'm old enough uh, and being a refractive surgeon for more than a quarter of a uh, century, I now get more and more parents, you know, moms and dads, uh, whom I did uh, LASIK 25 years ago, and they come with their 18 years old children and they want, they request a surgery on their kids. So I think that's that's what we like to hear or like to, to do. But of course, you then feel quite old. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I made the experience with SMILE um, really boosting uh, my uh, refractive surgery uh, practice. Uh, a main fact why people don't have uh, laser surgery is not the price. It's mainly the fear that something might go wrong and the pain. And I mean, with SMILE, you can say I have a 10-second uh, pain-free procedure. And from the first day post-op, all my patients can do whatever they like to. And for them, it's really an argument that say, wow, the next day I can go swimming, diving, doing sports. I say, yes, go jogging the same day, do it. Um, so I'm really very uh, positive about uh, this aspect of uh, SMILE. And it really boosted uh, my uh, clinical and refractive center. So uh, the last point um, is about the economical uh, benefits associated with adding lenticule extraction to your offerings. Uh, did it have a positive uh, effect on your practice, Maya? Yes, it had a positive effect. Like you said, uh, number of patients seeking for refractive surgery was declining uh, and the price wasn't the main reason. There was a fear and negative marketing over the years. 
and economical crisis and a lot of other stuff that we couldn't um, have influence on all of them. But um, re-entering lenticule again in the clinic, we got some new patients and some uh, good feeling, I would say, because now we can offer something which is flatless, but it's also painless because when we were talking about flatless, we were talking about some amount of pain because we are talking about uh, surface ablations. And like Dr. Sodulka said, we are also telling our patient that it can hurt really, really bad for the first 24 hours. And tomorrow morning, when it doesn't happen, they're happy. But out of 100, there is that one that comes tomorrow morning that he or she cannot live and that he has some kind of a hat and something over the eyes and you have parents carrying the patient because he cannot open the eyes. So, yes, we needed lenticule just to power uh, refractive surgery again. Bruce, your personal experience? Um, you know, we're kind of a unique situation because we opened about a year ago and we, we started out offering small from the beginning. And so I think it's kind of difficult because we're still kind of building our brand and building our presence. Um, I, I do feel that it's been great because it's, again, been a differentiator for us. And so we've had people that have specifically come to us um, because we offer smile. And so uh, for that, I, I would definitely say it's, it's been um, great for us. We actually have a lot of patients, um, a lot of Asian patients actually that have found us on uh, Asian social media, like Weibo and Redbook, um, because we're one of the few that offer it. So uh, for us, it's been, uh, yeah, it was a great decision to start out offering it. So Pavel, did you uh, recognize any economical benefits uh, with introducing Smile to your practice? Well, definitely people understood this is a leading edge high tech uh, technology and surgery. They are willing to pay for that. So you get more inflow of the patient. So that's very good. And I also can't wait for the hyperopic smile to be available because there is a lot of young hyperops out there which are waiting for this surgery. Uh, looking forward very much uh, as well. And also remembering the first years where I had to invest a lot of money into marketing. Uh, I was nearly a little bit desperate how long it took for Smile to become uh, a, in the common sense of our patients. And now after 13 years, there are really the big benefits because patients really understood how great uh, Smile is. Uh, so it really has um, truly now economical benefits. And I hope all other doctors uh, who start now, they don't have to go to the valley of um, investment sadness or return of investment when you started uh, many years ago. So that's all we have uh, for today. Uh, thank you very much to our panelists for sharing their experience with lenticule extraction. It was very interesting. Uh, I also could learn uh, something. So thank you very much for taking your time and effort. And I think it's clear to um, all of us uh, that we believe that the procedure can help to differentiate our practices Uh, from the next. So stay tuned for the final episode in this series, uh, which will focus on tips to incorporate new technologies into your practice. Thank you very much for listening.